Uno, dos, tres. R.I.P. to the competition. I heard that they're coming for you. I heard that they're coming for you. I heard that they're coming for Hello, 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 and welcome to Three's a Crowd Radio. I am your host, Ray Jones. I got the one and only Kelsey Nelson in the house. Kelsey, what's up? Hey, everyone. And filling in for my big man, James, I got the rookie, Steven. Steven, how you doing? Hello, sir. I'm pretty good. You ready, man? Don't get nervous, man. We live right now, so make sure you're ready for this. We put you in. You're the sixth man off the bench right now. All right, all right. All right, so for this week's episode, we're going to give you a quick rundown. We're going to discuss the NFL draft, the recent ESPN layoffs, of course, the NBA playoffs, and so much more. And we have a special guest to announce later on in the show. But first, like always, we're going to start off with, did you know this day in sports history? Um, And since this is the first day of the month, my picks for this day in sports history will highlight a few firsts. On this day in 1920, baseball legend Babe Ruth hit his first Yankee home run, which was his 50th of his career. And then also in 1951, baseball legend Mickey Mantle hit his first career home run. So today was a lot of firsts. We had a bunch of home runs hit on his first day of May. So, Kelsey, to you with the big news. Sure. So this week was another big big week. And the one and only Mr. Drake, who will be hosting the first ever NBA Awards show on June 26th. So props to Drake. I know he's excited, even though he's a bandwagon fan, to be hosting that. <laughs> no shades to Canada. Um, also, we have athletes LeBron James, Simone Biles, and Colin Kaepernick, who made Time Magazine's most influential people, the Time 100. So congrats to all of them for all of the great things they're doing to really make a difference and open people's minds in the world. And last but not least, taking it to Charlotte, where the Charlotte Hornets We'll start next season outfitted by the Jordan brand. They will be the only team wearing the Jumpman 23 logo on their jerseys. That, of course, their owner, MJ, made famous himself. So looking forward to seeing that next year in Charlotte. All right, we're going to go over to uh, Steven. Steven, rookie, you ready? Athlete of the week, let's go. Yes, sir. Coming off the bench. This week's athlete of the week is the Falcons' new linebacker, Sakaris McKinley. He was drafted with the number 26 pick of this year's draft. What made him pop out in front of everybody in the first round was him carrying a giant picture of his grandmother. He even went down the long draft stairs. He got drafted. He held the jersey, he even the picture the whole time. And what made this even more better, he dropped the F-bomb on live TV. But it just really showed his passion and his love for the game and opportunity that was given to him. And a lot of people thought he was going to get fined for dropping the F-bomb, but the NFL announced today they would not fine him. He got off with a clean slate. So it's a good way for him to be emotional and passionate about getting drafted and the NFL not penalizing him for it. So we we salute him. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Right now we have the introduction of our very special guest, USA Today sports digital producer Adam Wooder. Adam, you with us? I'm here, baby. You ready? You ready? Tell the people about yourself a little bit. I'm ready. So I've been at USA Today Sports for a couple of years now, uh, covering just about anything and everything. Do a lot of running stuff on social media, running the website, out covering some events. I met the uh, always wonderful Kelsey at the uh, the White House for the Cubs trip. Uh, so that's how I got linked in with you guys. And I just want to say appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, let's get into it. First off, you can't come on the show saying the wonderful Kelsey. Kelsey already. No, you know what, Adam? You come back every week. Every week now. I got um, I got to suck up a little bit so I can make sure I can get on again, guys. Come on, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing the game. Hey. Here. Steven, he the right we person. already see how this show is gonna go. Oh man, where's James at? <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it. Top headlines, everyone. Of course, the NFL Drive is the biggest story of the week, so we're gonna jump right into it. Let's go through a couple of the picks. The first, of course, the number one pick went to the Browns. Uh, defensive end, Miles Garrett. Number two went to the Bears. They moved up in the draft. They made a trade, and they picked quarterback Mitchell Trubisky from UNC. Uh, number three, the 49ers selected defensive tackle Solomon Thomas out of Stanford. Number four, the Jaguars picked Leonard Fournette out of LSU, the running back. Uh, number five, the Titans selected wide receiver Corey Davis out of Western Michigan. Uh, number six, the Jets selected Jamel, Jamal Adams excuse me, out of LSU. Number seven, the Chargers selected Mike Williams, wide receiver out of Clemson. Eight, Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey out of Stanford. Number nine, the Bengals selected wide receiver John Ross out of Washington. And lastly, number 10, Kansas City Chiefs selected a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech, which was a big surprise as well. So we asked the, we asked the crowd, or you guys want to jump right into the draft picks, or you want to go to the crowd noise first? You guys, how you want to do it, Kelsey? Let's hear what the crowd said first. 
All right, so we posted a Twitter poll. What was the biggest surprise of this year's first-round draft? Um, 12% said Deshaun Watson going to the Texans. He went to the Texans at number 12. But 74% said number two, Mitchell Trubisky going so early in the draft and the fact that the Bears made so many trades to pick him so early. So I'm going to go straight to you, Adam. How do you feel about the Bears moving up in the pick in the draft? I mean, I guess we're going to find out in a couple of years to see if he actually pans out or not. You know, I don't think, you know, obviously people are going to point to say, you know, this is just like Jared Goff, people trading up too much, giving up too much for a guy who's got a lot of questions. Um, obviously, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, not Mitch, as he wanted to be said, um, you know, he's got a lot of question marks. Obviously, he could be ready to play, but you'll never know until you get him out there. Um, but you definitely got to question the Bears trading up that much. I mean, you got to figure he probably still would have been there at three. Um, so they gave up, what, three, four picks to move up one spot for a quarterback. That's got a lot of questions. So uh, I wasn't a big fan of the pick. I think they definitely could have waited for him. But, I mean, I guess we'll see in a couple of years. Not only did they give up a lot of picks, but they also just signed Glennon to be their starting quarterback. Yep. So it's kind of weird that they would <laughs> right. go that far up in the draft give up that many assets to move up only 10 minutes in the drive, basically. I don't think the Niners right. were going to take him as the number three pick. So, I mean, as the number two pick. So, for them to give up three picks, I thought it was kind of weird. Steven, what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to agree with Adam. We're going to have to see what pans out with Trubisky. When I was watching the draft and I saw the pick, I wasn't happy, and I'm not even a Bears fan. I just automatically feel bad for Chicago, giving away about four picks just to trade a dude who only played about a season and a half in college football as a starter. It just wasn't a good move for me. So I'm just really not confident in the Bears' decisions with that pick. All right. Well, Kelsey, what's your thoughts on that pick? So I'm going to agree with the people in Chicago who, when they just, the Bulls presented him with a jersey, decided to boo him because I didn't know what was happening. I think you guys said it best. Why move up a spot to get a guy who only had 13 to 14 starts in his whole career and at that at North Carolina? Um, I actually knew the guy that he started behind at North Carolina that I thought was actually better than him. I think Chicago just rushed. They should have just sat back, relaxed, and like you said, Ray, those extra 10 minutes that made a difference, it would have still got him, but it makes no sense that you give Glennon a pretty nice contract, and then you find this guy who we really have just no clue about. So I don't know what they're doing in Chicago, but as you guys said, I guess we'll see what happens. I'm glad you brought up the uh, fans' perspective. So we also asked the crowd noise. We said, are you satisfied with the draft picks that your team has selected in the draft so far? And this is for everybody, everybody with a team. 60% said yes, 10% said no, 20% were unsure, and 10% don't care. Uh, so I'm going to go back to you, Adam. Were you satisfied with your team's draft picks? So, yeah, I'm from Ohio, but I was born in Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steelers fan. Uh, go Steelers. Uh, I was actually pretty happy with it. Um, you know, they go out, they get a, a pretty good uh, potential quarterback for Big Ben. Uh, maybe in a couple of years, Joshua Dobbs. Dude's literally a rocket scientist, uh, so that bodes well for him, for him at least uh, – understanding the complex plays and stuff. He's a smart dude. I played pretty well in college. I love the pick of uh, uh, Schuster, the wide receiver from USC. Just giving Ben more options is going to make the offense a hell of a lot of fun. And then I'm not sure if you guys saw, but the moment that James Conner, the pit running back, saw that he got drafted by the Steelers was probably one of the most touching things. Um, he's been in Pittsburgh for three, four years, battled cancer. Uh, so, so to see him there with all of his friends and family getting that call, uh, very, uh, very emotional stuff. So, all in all, pretty good draft for my boys, I think. All right. Well, Kelsey, about um, I go to you next. What do you think about your team's draft picks? Are you satisfied with your team's draft picks? I'm, I'm not even going to talk on – I think the Ravens did okay. I'm not even going to go there because I don't want them to hate me in Baltimore next time I go there. And I'm not going <laughs> to talk about the Redskins because I don't want any hate either. Um, but overall, I will say I'm going to pick up the Texans as a bandwagon team really quick just because I love – what they did to get Deshaun Watson. I think he's one of the, I think he's the, really the most promising uh, quarterback that this draft class had, even though I do like Patrick Mahomes as well, that the Chiefs selected. Um, but I think the Texans kind of have their future um, and Deshaun Watson. And who doesn't love his story? I mean, it was great and how he brought his mom on stage. So I really did love that. I do actually like the Panthers pick as well with Christian McCaffrey, but Ravens and Redskins, let's see what you guys do with your draft picks. So they actually gave them both B minuses in their overall uh, draft classes for this year. So, Adam, I don't know what type of mojo you have, but this is the first time in nearly two years of doing the show that Kelsey has denounced her fanship to the Redskins and the Ravens and actually rooted for a different team. Every episode, <laughs> you would think she's adorable by he one of those local teams, and she went all the way down to Houston. Wow. I'm, I'm in shock right now. I, I have, don't to, even know I have doing to keep next. my PR people. <laughs> Like, I don't even know what to talk about next. I was going to go to Steven, but I'm so caught, like, caught off guard right now. She just messed up the whole show. I tend to do that to people, Ray. Just kidding. 
Adam, whatever spell you have her under, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, I'm, I'm here right. for you, man. I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> All right, Steven, go ahead with your team. What's your thoughts on how your team did in the draft? I am a Darhart, Washington Redskins fans. And to the fans out there, my team does not have a general manager. And we pretty much had a solid – I'm going to give my, my team an A-minus. We picked up Jonathan Allen and Brian Anderson, two aggressive Alabama players, picked up the Oklahoma all-time leading rusher, Samadji Pimine, and a Lucia cornerback, Fabian Morno. So the Redskins pretty much had an excellent draft, and I'm very confident on all of our picks. You know you guys are still in the same division as the Giants, though, right? So it doesn't really matter what uh, you yeah, guys but, did. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we definitely better. got better in the draft. We picked up a very strong tight end. Our passing game is going to be borderline unstoppable with the, the, the Hall of Fame quarterback, Elite Manning. Now we got Odell Beckham next to Brandon Marshall, and then we pulled in a great tight end. Yeah, it's over for you guys. I just want to be clear. You had a great uh, draft. Uh, I mean, we picked you know, up Jeremy I Sprinkle. Just that out He's there. better than Evan Ingram. So, yeah, we'll give you that one. Kirk Cousins is still your quarterback, <laughs> but neither that's neither here nor there. All right, so, let's, uh, so you guys got anything else you want to talk about the draft? So well, let's talk about Deshaun Watson going to the Texans. Is that a big move? Adam, I'll go to you first. I mean, I think so. I mean, they obviously have questions at the quarterback position. Um, obviously, you've heard the cliche every time someone talks about Deshaun Watson. You know, he's a hard worker. He's won everywhere he's gone. I mean, that was in college. It's a big difference when he stepped into the big leagues. Uh, he's got some weapons down there in Houston. Uh, it be interesting to see how early he starts. I would, I would imagine he's going to get, you know, the majority of the snaps this season. But, you know, like we said, these are all questions we're not going to know until we get to camp and we see, you know, how he really does. You know, people didn't think Dak Prescott would take off the way he did. And so, I mean, you never know until you actually get into camp, put the pads on, and uh, and see how he can play. But I definitely think it makes that division a lot more uh, a lot more exciting with a really good quarterback with some uh, weapons on the outside for him. All right, so, Kelsey, you, you know, earlier in the week, uh, ESPN's Jamel Hill said, well, she compared Deshaun Watson to Dak Prescott. So the Texans have a pretty well-built roster. They're almost Super Bowl ready. They're just missing that one piece of a quarterback. Is he that missing piece or give it a couple years? I, you know, it's funny, right? I have to throw off that poll because when she said it, as much as I love Jamal, I just think it's too early, and I don't want that type of pressure on him this early. Yes, he's, he just won the national championship. I think Deshaun Watson is very promising. I mean, I think Deshaun Watson, it's like when you're dating someone and you find, or like when women date a guy and you say they have the whole package, he's the whole package for football. And since I think he can do everything you want your quarterback to do, my only questions about Deshaun Watson are his size. But, I mean, he can move out the pocket. He can throw deep. He has a great arm. I mean, he can run. He can do it all. So, I think the Texans hopefully have found their future uh, quarterback that will sell some nice uh, jersey, sell a lot of jerseys for them down in Houston. Okay, okay. All right, real, real quick before we wrap up the NFL draft, I do want to go back to the number one pick, Miles Garrett, and the Cleveland Browns. They made a lot of defensive picks this draft. So, uh, Adam, I'll go to you first again. Do you think the Browns are actually starting up their defense and they're going to be a contender, or are they going to still be a bottom-of-the-league type of team? I mean, I, contender's a, a very uh, interesting word to use. I mean, I definitely think they'll get more wins this year, but I don't know about, about contender. But, you know, picking up a guy like Miles Garrett who can rush the passer, who can really get in and disrupt the backfield, when you play in a division with, you know, above-average quarterbacks, you know, future Hall of Famer Ben Roethlisberger, you know, the always questionable if he's a leader or not, Joe Flacco, and then Andy Dalton, who can put together some good games too. I mean, those are some really good quarterbacks, and if they want to get any wins, they need to pressure the quarterback. And uh, they definitely picked up a lot with him on the offensive line. And then uh, getting Jabril Peppers also, you know, he could be a, a big play guy in the secondary. Um, so I don't know about contender, but I definitely think they'll have more than one win next season. But I think it'll be tough for them to compete in that AFC North. It's still pretty tough. All right, Steven, what's your thoughts on uh, the Browns' chances in the division? Like you said, they have a lot of good quarterbacks in that division. You need someone who can rush the quarterback. Is he going to be a good asset, and is the rest of those picks going to be a good asset? I think um, Garrett, he is, he is a project. He's almost a finished project. I just need to see how he pans out. I think he will be a good player. He will immediately add a, a great pass rush to the team. The other picks, picking up Peppers and Garrett in the same round, that's like insane because those are just two excellent possible players. Of course, we need to see how they pan out in the league. Contender-wise, I will really see the Browns being a contender, but they won't have the worst record in the league. That's some type of hope for them right there. Kelsey, the rookie doesn't know. I put him on the spot. So, if you're saying the Browns won't be the worst team, who's the worst team? you got to say a name. <laughs> Adam. The worst team? Yeah. Uh, Chargers, uh, not the Chargers. The Rams are, Rams are still pretty rough. I'm not sure they did a lot to really uh, improve their chances. Uh, I think I'll agree and say that the Browns won't be the worst team, but if I had to put it on someone – Sorry, Los Angeles. The Rams still aren't there yet. All right, Steven. I'm all going to either say the Chargers or Bills. Oh, the Chargers? Wow, interesting. The Bills. I forgot. Kelsey, I, I, I kind of forgot they were a team there for a second. 
<laughs> I was going to go with the Bills. There, there's a lot of turmoil in Buffalo right now. They fired the GM the next day after the draft was over. It seems I feel as though they were going to fire him all along. They just wanted to wait until the draft was over so that way he didn't give away their picks to another team. <laughs> um, but I definitely was going to say the Bills are down there. The Deadskins are down there. It's it's a couple no. teams down there. I, I think you have Kelsey. to. I, I can agree with the Bills pick, but I feel like you have to also. I, don't, I just I'm not a believer in Cleveland yet. This is coming from someone who's out of the Thursday night football game last year. It was supposed to be a big game between the Ravens and Browns, and you could almost really count the amount of people in there. They're just not an exciting team. They have some good picks. I do like what Miles Garrett brings, but they don't have enough. They didn't do enough. I mean, they have Peppers, yes. They got David Njoku. They have a lot of good picks that they got, but the Browns are still the Browns, and I don't think Hugh Jackson has what it takes, unfortunately, this year to fully turn them around. So, unfortunately, I think they'll still be sitting on the bottom of the division. And Kelsey, Sorry, Brown. just to right. follow up on that real quick, my uh, my uncle Brian just texted me, diehard Cleveland Browns fan, uh, listening right now and said, why do you got to dump on the Browns? They're obviously contenders. The Jets are worse. So that just shows the discourse that Cleveland Ooh. fans have where they really think they really think that this might be something. So, Uncle Brian, shout out. What's up? Uh, but, yeah, that just shows where, where uh, Cleveland Browns fans have done right now. I'm glad they're excited. Salute to Uncle Brian. Excited about. <laughs> shout out to Uncle Brian for listening. I'm with him. We like Uncle Brian on the show. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and transition a little bit. Let's go ahead and go to ESPN, man. ESPN had a lot of layoffs this past week. Uh, nearly 100 of ESPN's on-air and online talent have been laid off. I'm going to go through a list of a couple of big names that you guys might recognize. You had NFL analyst Trent Dilfer, NFL reporter Ed Water, who had over 17 years with with uh, ESPN, uh, NCAA reporter Andy Katz. Uh, you had NFL reporter Danny Cannell, Major League Baseball reporter Jason Stark, who also had 17 years. You had some sports center anchors, some guys you might really recognize, Jay Crawford, Jamie Steyer, Jay McCaffrey, McCaffrey, excuse me. And then, of course, NBA reporters, Mark Stein, which was a huge, that was, that was big news right there, Chad Ford, and Ethan Strauss. So what are you guys' thoughts on these layoffs? I'm going to go to you first, Adam. How do you feel about the change in industry? And uh, pretty much it seems like ESPN wants to get a little younger and more personalized. So what's your thoughts? Man, all of us that work in the media industry, you know, we know how tough it can be. We know how tough it is to get these jobs. You know how competitive it is. You know, and our jobs are changing every day. You know, I'm sure all you guys can speak to that as well. So I don't want to name drop or anything, but I know a lot of the people that lost their jobs. And it was tough. You know, it was, it was a tough day for, you know, if you knew any of those people or even if you were just fans of them. You know, seeing Ed Werder lose his job was tough for me. I mean, I remember watching him every Sunday morning on NFL Countdown and stuff getting ready. I'm going to miss Dilfer's Dimes on Monday Night Football. I thought that was always a pretty entertaining segment. But, uh, I mean, it's like, like I said earlier, you know, it's tough when, you know, good, hardworking people that you really enjoyed watching and listening to uh, lose their jobs, and you know, like I said, our our jobs are changing every single day, and it's tough to keep up. Obviously, it's a business, and that stuff's going to happen. But uh, the only good thing that could come from this is that you know a lot of other media organizations are going to be stronger and more competitive because uh, all these people aren't going to be jobless for a long time. I agree. I definitely agree. I feel like a lot of them are going to get snatched over relatively quickly, especially Mark Stein, Chad Ford. You know, the draft is coming up. I believe Chad Ford said he's going to stay on for the draft, but it just just be weird to see the NBA without him and Mark Stein. I used to go to them. For all the rumors, what's going to happen in free agency. So it's going to be strange. So, Kelsey, I'm going to go to you next. What are your thoughts on the ESPN layoff? I mean, I think Adam explained it so well. Of course, it was heartbreaking. I mean, not just people in the industry, but then, I mean, anybody, like you guys said, I mean, they're fans. And just I mean, when you think about them and their families, like, you know, how devastating it was. And it's unfortunate, but I think um, anybody in this industry knows. And I think my journalism professor at Maryland said it best. They said, you're going to get fired at least once. It's just the business of the industry. And, of course, journalism probably I'd say for the past 15 years has been kind of shaky as technology keeps changing things in the way we do stuff. Um, and of course I know cable cutting and all those different things kind of played into ESPN stuff, but I mean, it was crazy just because some of these people are people that, you know, you thought would literally grow old and retire um, on ESPN and just such promising futures, but they're so talented. I know they'll all get picked up and hopefully, you know, if anything I saw, I do know a good amount of the people and a lot of them are enjoying much needed vacation time. Um, that they needed, but I know they'll be right back on track. Sports never stops, neither does journalism, so wishing them all the best. But, it, you know, it was sad, and it was hard for ESPN, too. People were giving ESPN a lot of just bad news um, on social media, but I think people need to understand. I mean, unfortunately, cuts will happen, and it's hard to do, um, but, you know, they're just trying to obviously do what's best for the company, but I wish all the people the best. They're so talented. We admire all of them. Um, and, yeah, Theresa Crowd supports them. They're, we hope, if anything, I mean, maybe we can get somebody to come on and really just speak to it um, on our show. So that's an open invitation. Um, so hopefully, Ray, somebody will answer that for us. All right, well, I got, I got another question, then. I know um, 
a lot of rumors have been saying that ESPN is going more towards their personality-based shows. Like, you know, Stan Van Pelp has his show at night. Uh, there's a Sports Center AM where they have a particular – Jay Harris is on there. He's pretty frequent on there. Um, you know, uh, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill have SC at 6. So it's more personality-based instead of more – you know, back in the day, Sports Center had a rotation. You wouldn't see the same person every day. So I go to you, Adam. How do you feel about them going more so, more towards personality-based shows versus the way they did it where they mixed it up a lot? I mean, I was kind of skeptical at first. You know, I, I used to listen to, you know, Scott Van Pelt on the radio every single day. You know, I still listen to Ryan Rosillo in that same time spot. just works out well with, you know, my schedule and everything, and I think it's a great show for them. So shout out to them. But, you know, you know once Scott Van Pelt, you know, SCP had his show at midnight and you, you saw how much personality he could show, you had never really seen – the you know the anchors really show that kind of personality you know you know every now and then you know guys like Stuart Scott um, shout out to him too uh, you know they would show some personality with their calls and some things they would do but you wouldn't really get to know them as people or get to see you know them really break it down talk about real world stuff so seeing especially you know Michael and Jamel on the six you know the way they talk about you know real life stuff I think it's you know it, it adds a new dynamic and you know some people might not like it they might just tune in for the highlights but. You know, I personally like the whole feature part of it and where you can really start and get to know the anchors more. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, how much they're actually going to overhaul and what they're going to do. You know, will they keep going to that? Will they keep, you know, the regular highlights coming through or are they going to make it more of an actual program show? All right, Stephen, how are you feeling about the personality-based shows? Do you like the old format better or do you like the new way that it's going? I'm on the fence about this one. ESPN has about four to five channels. And I do agree. I feel like they should have more personality programming. But... I think you should, some of the channels, maybe some of the time slots should stick to just sport what's going on in the week and just classic reporting. So right now I'm on the fence. I want to see where it goes. About the layoffs, I'm just not, as a fan, like I grew up on ESPN. I've been watching for a decade now. I'm just really, it's really sad to see that to a bunch of people, which is very unfortunate. All right, Kelsey, we all know you've got a big personality. So what's your thoughts on <laughs> the personality-based uh, show format? actually thought I was kind of shy, but all right, Ray. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's the future. I mean, as much, and so, so I have to go back to my education at Maryland, so shout out to the Terps and Philip H. Merrill College of Journalism. But I remember they, us, they always taught us the difference between being a journalist and being a personality. And I remember when I wanted to do sports journal, journalism, I literally had professors be like, no, that's a personality, that's not a journalist. Though I think you can be both. Um, but I think they're getting with the times. People can, I think, Sports fans know sports, right? Because pretty much to watch sports, you have to kind of be a hardcore sports fan, unless you're just trying to be cute and maybe meet somebody. Um, but I think being personality-based is just how people want their news now. They want it to be fun. You know, they like the show formats. Um, those, are, those are ESPN's highest-rated shows. Like Scott Van Pelt, I think you guys said it best. Like, his personality resonates with you at 12 o'clock. I mean, at midnight, just think about that. Like, it takes a lot to keep people up at that time. And I literally will watch Scott Van Pelt from start to finish. He makes He's one of my favorite sports center anchors. Um, but I think ESPN is getting with the times as we have a new generation coming up, millennials. Um, I even think you see this on the team side, and even other stations are trying to do it. People like the debate shows. There's a reason why people love Stephen A. Smith, and he has over a million followers. It's just what people like. People want. I think people always like somebody that can really make stuff exciting for them. Just think about it. You come from a long day of work or whatever. You just, I don't know, you just want it to be exciting. I think ESPN realized that. And they're going to try to find different ways just to connect with different segments and different groups and shows that will you'll, you'll actually watch on a digital platform. I also I think part of it is to push more people to the ESPN app, and because you got to think if people want to see highlights or they want to see oh what happened in the game last night, real quick you can just access it on your phone, watch the highlights. But if you want to actually sit down in front of the television, you want that personality, someone that's going to like talk to you per- more personally. So I think that's part of the push as far as them doing the personality base. They want to get the app flowing a little bit better because people are always on the run. You know, you got the cord cutters who don't even actually sit in front of the TV. So, hey, we're going to make the apps available for you. We're going to have the highlights on there really quick, really accessible, and you can get there, get what you need, and keep it moving. So I kind of I kind of like the, the change in format because it's a little more entertaining. It's not, okay, the same thing over and over again. I used to hate when SportsCenter would just loop over and over again for like four hours straight. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, with, the, I'm with the change. And, of course, they also announced they're going to be Revealing a mascot here soon, which I thought was kind of amazing. I want to see how that yes. goes because you know all the funny commercials, all the funny commercials they had in the past with team mascots. I want to see how they incorporate, you know, a, a ESPN mascot, and I hope it's not a dud. But you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> all right, so um, you guys ready to talk NBA playoffs? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's jump right into the West. You know, 
Um, the first, which I guess the first matchup we'll talk about is San Antonio versus Houston. Um, during that se- season series, the Spurs were three to one. Uh, so of course we put the poll up: who's going to win between the Spurs and the Rockets? Seventy percent came back and said the Spurs. So it seems like a lot of people are going with the favorite in that one. So I'm going to go to you first, Adam. What's your thoughts, Spurs versus Rockets? I'll take the Spurs in six simply because mm-hmm. you know Houston's been you know Houston's been inconsistent. Yeah, they set you know regular season records for three pointers made and everything. Uh, this season, obviously, you know, they shoot the ever-living hell out of the ball, but, you know, they didn't shoot well, you know, but on the on the counterpart of that, they didn't shoot well in the first series. Um, they team shot like 28% from three. Uh, Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson, two of their guys, their go-to guys coming off the bench for threes, they were 6 of 40. James Harden was 12 of 50. I mean, that's not, that's not going to happen again for them. You know, they're going to make the threes. They're going to knock those down. But when it comes down to it, man, watching Kawhi that last series, the way he just willed his team and the way he literally put the Spurs on his back and carried them, you know, he's completely turned into a superstar in the NBA. Uh, he's so much fun to watch. It's interesting to see this first team, though. They look a lot different than before. Instead of all this, you know, team basketball, a lot of it's, you know, Kawhi creating the offense for them instead of, you know, them creating the offense as a team, passing the ball, getting open looks. Uh, it's, it's Kawhi that's doing a lot of that. Um, Tony Parker found the fountain of youth that last series. 16 points per game, 53% from the field and from three. Uh, it'd be tough to, for him to keep that up, especially Patrick Beverly guarding him. Um, but still, you know, the Spurs have the experience. They're consistent. And uh, I think Kawhi trumps all. So I got uh, Spurs and six. Okay, interesting. Spurs and six. I'll go to you first, Steven. Uh, give me your team and reasons why. I'm going to say Spurs and seven. I think the Rockets still will get, be given a couple opportunities. Um, I covered the Spurs versus the Grizzly Series for Fox, 1340. And the Spurs bench did not come up in many games. So if there are games that the Spurs bench do not come out and play when it's time to play, Houston capitalize on that with their shooting. Now, I think Houston will lose because, Adam, like Adam said, Houston shoots the ball a lot. It reminds me of a run-and-shoot offense. They really shoot a lot of balls, but their accuracy and their shooting percentage isn't really up to par. So all the all the shooting and all the passing, all the getting opportunities, they won't really take advantage in this series. Mm. So we got two for the Spurs. Kelsey, where you at? Well said to both of you guys, and I'm going to actually agree with Steven now. I'm going to say Spurs and seven. I think they've really been structured um, this year to beat Houston. Um, I think I'm going to go first to best because of their defense. Um, the Spurs play great defense. They're, like, limiting the three-point shot. Um, San Antonio oppon- opponents shot just 34.4% from deep downtown. And, of course, I think that's one of Houston's strengths. Um, and then also the Spurs don't get in foul trouble. I think that's another thing that really has to be taken um, into advantage. And I really don't think Houston's going to get a lot of uh, fast break points. I think the Spurs, like I said, I think it's going to go back down to simple uh, defense. And Kawhi. Kawhi always knows how to scramble them out of trouble, so I think it's going to be a good series, but Spurs and seven. Interesting. Let me see. I guess I'll play devil's advocate here a little bit. And I think I'm going to go with – no, I think I'm going to stick with the Spurs. I was going to go with Houston. Honestly, I think it all boils <laughs> down to LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, I'm really – when I heard you guys' arguments, I was going, I was going back and forth to see which one I wanted to go because I really want to say Houston. But the scene is how San Antonio does have Kawhi, and I feel like Kawhi can somewhat cancel out Harden. But if, if LaMarcus Aldridge does not show up again, like he did against the Memphis Grizzlies, he was pretty much disappeared. And if Tony Parker didn't show up that last game, you never know. The series might have went a different way. And, of course, we're not going to see Tony Parker do that again, I don't believe. I feel like that was his last hoorah. But I feel like <laughs> Houston has a lot of firepower. Houston has a lot of firepower. They get hot. They have so many shooters. 40 points in a quarter. You live, and die, like, I feel like you live and die by the three. <laughs> which is true. But Golden State actually won a championship by the three. So, I can see – I can't say – I'm not saying Houston's going to win a championship, sure. but they have the firepower to, to put up numbers. And I don't know if San Antonio can keep up with them scoring-wise. Kawhi might be able to shut down Harden somewhat, but Harden gets to the line a lot. Kawhi doesn't foul a lot either. But he can't guard him the entire game. And yeah. Beverly's going to give – Beverly's going to give Tony Parker fits. It's really going to come down to LaMarcus Aldridge. So we'll see how that matchup goes. He, I feel like he has the advantage over Ryan Anderson, but he also tends to disappear a lot. So right now I'm gonna hold off on my uh, my my pick. I'm gonna wait till game four, then I'll give you guys a pick and say no, which way I'm going right, with you it. Gotta say it right no, right it's a pick. It's a pick. It's a pick. All right, all right. I'm going Houston in five. No, I'm just playing. Uh, Houston in six. Houston in six. <laughs> no, That's I fair. changed it. First, That's fair. First and seven. I changed it. I changed it. First oh God. Okay, okay. Just tell us game four. Just tell us game four. Coaching. Tell us game four. I can't go with Dan Tony. I'm sorry. Dan Tony, I can't. I can't do Dan Tony. So Popovich in seven. That's what I'm gonna say. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and um, I'm gonna switch it over to Golden State versus Utah. A little bit more of a 
I guess, a one-sided matchup. Depends on who you ask. Um, recently, Matt Barnes said uh, he didn't want to play Utah. He'd rather play the Clippers because he felt like there was no clubs in Utah, which I thought was a crazy insult. Of course, we asked crowd noise. Warriors versus Jazz. 73% said Warriors. 27% said Jazz. That was Gordon Haywood and a couple of his friends. They went on and uh, voted. So, I'm going to go to you first, Adam. What's your thoughts? Warriors versus Jazz. I don't think the, the Jazz might get lucky and get one in case Golden State's got bad shooting. But the fact that they're open enough to say that we want to be in L.A. so there's nightlife, that just shows you where the Warriors' mindset is. Like, So, so Kelsey <laughs> used uh, a dating she, – she used a dating uh, uh, reference earlier. I'm going to pull one out, too, for the fellas. Guys, you see that girl, and you know she's bad. She knows it, you know it, but she's making sure that you know it. That's what the Warriors have done almost all season. They know they're better than you. They're going to be vocal about it, and then they're going to go out on the court, and they're going to prove it. I guess if the Jazz might get lucky and get one, it's a fun story. It's a great run. I saw Joe Johnson hitting some big shots down the stretch there. I mean, that brings back memories back when he used to light it up for 30 a game at times. Uh, but I just don't think they can keep up with them. I mean, they had a great first series, but, man, the, the Warriors might sweep. I don't know, Adam. When I mean, you see that fine girl, you know she's fine. You know she knows she know you fine. Like, you got to shoot your shot, though, right? I feel like you got to shoot your shot because just imagine, yeah. if, shoot, no, man. imagine if you bag her. Shoot or shoot. Imagine if you bag her. You in a whole nother level now. So, I mean, I don't know. Kelsey, <laughs> I'm going to go to you first. You gonna shoot this? Is Utah going to shoot their shot or are they going to get sweat? What's up? I think they'll probably shoot their shot. and They might land just a little bit, you know, enough to get the little flirtation back, maybe that one date. Um, but I think Adam said it best. I mean, I don't even think this is really a good matchup for the Warriors. That's why they're worried about a club in Utah. And I, I hope all the Utah clubs, like, just bring the baddest celebrities to their clubs <laughs> um, to just say something back to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, G- Gordon Hayward, of course, is the best storyline for this. Uh, George Hill might show up in Derek's favors. But let's remember, I mean, they had to go – seven games for the Clippers and we know the Clippers team but I just don't think you can get past he who is Steph Curry and the rest of his weapons around him and I mean I think I'll know it but we'll see them back in the finals. All right Steven shoot your shot. Obviously the Warriors will win this series but I'm even going to give this series is really up to the Jazz on how hard they play. We all know the Warriors will finish. We all agree. I feel like this series can even go to six or seven games. Besides the Spurs and Warriors, I feel like Utah is the most complete team in a wrestling comp. And if I was a Warriors player, I'd probably rather face the Clippers. Not for the night ride because it's easier to beat that team. So facing Utah will give the Warriors some issues. But, of course, Steph Curry and KD the trader, with his tail turn, he will, <laughs> he, will finish, he will finish in six games. Did KD just get a new nickname, KD the trader? Is that what you said? Oh, my goodness. Oh, um, KD turned heel about last summer, so he's been a trader ever since. So. Ooh. I can't have any KD slander because he did go to school in Montgomery, Ca- Montgomery County at Montrose Christian, so oh, I'm sorry, but I have to stick up for KD. He just did what was best. <laughs> I didn't want to get into that argument because I was going to say, who did KD betray? He was a free agent. He earned the right to go to whatever team he chose to go to, but that's a whole yep. other story. But either way, I feel like I feel like the Utah Utah is going to get at least one game. I don't see him going six or yeah, seven. Yeah, I think one. I'm going to give him three. I'm going to give them game three. I feel like they'll definitely get game three, but just off the, the simple fact that they'll have a lot of adrenaline and they'll be back in front of their home fans. The home fans, the home crowd is going to be lit. I don't know what celebrities are going to have show up at the game, Kelsey. I mean, you might have to Google for me and tell me how many people, how many celebrities <laughs> are actually from Utah. But, I mean, they might have a couple that I never heard of, but we'll see how it goes. But I say, I say Warriors in five. Game three is going to go to Utah, and then they'll close it out game four and five, and, uh, and then game five in Golden State. All right, so let's go on East Coast. It's actually a game on right now. You know, we got the Cavs and the Raptors. The Cavaliers won the season series 3-1. to one. So, of course, we asked the crowd noise. Cavs versus Raptors. This is a, a shocking number, actually. 41% said the Raptors were going to win, and 59% said the Cavaliers. So, Drake had everybody in Toronto go online <laughs> and vote that time. Because 41% is a big number, is a big number. Even though I did say earlier in the season that I feel as though the Raptors are going to beat Cleveland. But after the Raptors struggled in the first round against Milwaukee, I'm kind of skeptical now. I really felt like the Ibaka trade and the P.J. Tucker trade was going to put them over the top. But after seeing them struggle against the Bucks, I don't know now. So I'm a little apprehensive. So, I'll Adam, I'm going to go to you. Which way are you leaning? Are you going Cavaliers or are you going Raptors? I'm going Cavs. I'll probably go Cavs in five. I think the Raptors can probably steal one back home in Toronto. Uh, now, this is me. Fair warning, I am from Akron, Ohio, uh, right right outside of LeBron's hometown there. Uh, this is me putting my Cleveland bias aside. 
Um, as long as number 23 is wearing the line in gold, I think the Cavs are going to be able to move through the Eastern Conference no matter who's in front of them. Yeah, the Raptors have guys like Kyle Lowry and uh, DeMar DeRozan. They're great, and they might steal a game or two, but there's just not enough outside of them. You know, Cleveland's, Cleveland's depth is unmatched in the Eastern Conference, I think, for how, for how strong they can play on offense. Obviously, their defense has been an issue here down the stretch. Um, but, you know, they did what they needed to do in the first round. Obviously, they only won those four games by 16 points, and they were getting criticized for sweeping a team. I thought that was hysterical. But they did what they needed to do. They went out. They won four in a row, got the sweep, and got the chance to rest up. Um, as long as LeBron's on the court, uh, give me the Cavs. Like I said, Raptors might be able to get one, maybe two in Toronto if they're lucky. But uh, I just don't think they can match up with the firepower that uh, Cleveland's got. All right, I'm going to go to you first, Steven. Raptors, Cavaliers, who's your pick? Cavs and five. Unfortunately, I want the Raptors to win because, you know, the Raptors can have an easy, easy conference finals. But LeBron James is just LeBron James. And the Raptors, they probably have no chance again once in their series. So, Cavs and five. Nothing really called wow. out. It's LeBron James. King James. No respect for the Raptors. No respect for the Raptors. Kelsey, you with the disrespect? <laughs> I have to agree with them. I mean, as much as I – and you know I have a team in the East, which I'll get to later – but, I mean, King James, he's going to reclaim the throne this year, and I, he's not going to let the Raptors. They don't even have what it takes to even really make it complicated for him, and that's no shots to Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Um, but it's just they don't have enough. I mean, the Cavs is one of the best three-pointing teams. I'm one of the best three-pointing teams in the NBA. I mean, just in all their weapons that they have, and I think Adam pointed out their defense might not be the strongest all the time, but against the Raptors, yeah, I have Cavs in five, maybe six, maybe six, if the Raptors just somehow get lucky. But I do want to shout out to everyone in Canada that voted in our poll because that was crazy numbers, right? <laughs> I have a follow-up question for you then, Adam. Seems It seems like the consensus is that the Raptors are going to lose in five games. Let's say that happens, or let's say they don't really put up a good fight against the Cavaliers. Is it time to tear it down? Is it time to revamp that old team? I mean, it's tough. You know, like you said, you know, getting guys like P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka in the trade, I mean, it, it takes time for teams to, to really mold together. Um, you know, my, my thought is it, it's easy to say tear it down when it doesn't work, but you've got to have a plan in place. You know, you're not just going to go in there and tear it down and then say, okay, now what? If you've got a plan in place and you've got moves you think you can make, by all means, go for it. But, I mean, you, we, we've seen the Raptors have success in, in the past with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan kind of pushing the needle. You know, they might need maybe one or two more people to really bring it all together. I don't know who that is. I don't know if they know who that is. But it's, it's tough for me to say just tear it down when you really don't know um, what you're going to do with it. I, so I, I, feel like you, I feel like you keep trying to build around this because who are you going to bring in that's better than Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan is my thing. Those are two high-quality NBA players. I'm just not sure how much better it's going to get than that right now. Honestly, I thought Serge Ibaka was going to be that key. But, again, like I said, they disappointed me against the Bucks in that series. So we'll have to just wait and see. But we're going to go ahead and transition over to Kelsey's favorite team in the whole wide world. Oh, my the Washington <laughs> The Washington Wizards are taking on the uh, Boston Celtics. Unfortunately, the Wizards lost game one. Um, but the fan poll we had online, 41% said they were going to go with the Wizards. I'm, I'm sorry, 41% said they're going to go with the Celtics. And 59% said they're going to go with the Wizards. So everybody's going for the Wizards. You know, of course, Kelsey's going with the Wizards. I'm going to go with you first, Adam, let you get it off. Wizards or Celtics, be careful because you answer wrong, Kelsey might not invite you back. <laughs> so, my, you know, one of my roommates is a diehard uh, Boston fan, and he asked me this question yesterday, and I said, Wizards in six or seven. You know, John Wall and Bradley Beal, it's, it's a very strong backcourt. Uh, you know, they've had, you know, their guys off the bench come in, make clutch plays as well. But the Celtics just always keep finding a way to win, and like they did yesterday, you know, they start off, you know, 16 nothing to start the game, and you're thinking, well, here we go, the Wizards are going are gonna to run this one. And then, once again, the Celtics just kept finding ways to come back, and they just keep, you know, kept chipping into the lead point after point after point. Those dudes just find a way to win somehow. Um, the Wizards need to control the boards, obviously. Avery uh, Bradley and Marcus Smart are going to be able to hold down the backcourt. You know, John Wall and Bradley Beal are going to get theirs. It's going to come down to the role players and uh, who can hit more shots. I thought that would be the Wizards, but uh, that kind of proved me wrong yesterday. Kelsey, what do you have to say for your team? Woo! I was with you at first, but – I'll give it this. I will say Wizards and Boston. I mean, I think it's a great series. I think we're in for seven games. And this is not because I'm a Wizards fan, but I think the Wizards have the edges here. John Wall is playing the best basketball of his career. Next to him, Bradley Bill is also playing some of the best basketball of his career. I know there were questions before about the bench, and I think the Wizards have got stronger on that end. I will give it up to Boston. And what Isaiah Thomas did was just crazy. I mean, just remember watching the game, just knowing that he just buried his sister literally 24 hours um, 
24 hours before game time and then went and scored 33 points and nine assists. But I think after the game, Bradley Bill said the best. I saw a Wizards team that just wasn't aggressive. Everything wasn't clicking. Um, and when it got to the fourth, I don't know, it just seemed like they lost some focus, and I think Bradley Bill said that best. Uh, if Gortat shows up and if Otto Porter continues to show up and Marquise Morris, I think Wizards win in seven. I do like, of course, what Isaiah Thomas has around him, but Horford I don't think is fully consistent, though he had a good game last game. And Crowder, too, as well. I think he can be defended against the Wizards. So I think this is the Wizards year. John Wall, he already feels like he doesn't get enough respect. The Wizards feel like they don't get enough respect. And they're going to show now why they should be on national television more at this playoff series. All right, Stephen. Kelsey pretty much used up all the time. We got about three seconds for you to give your take on no, no. I'm just joking. Go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> You got plenty of time, man. Uh, What's your thoughts on the Celtics versus Wizards? This will be the best non-LeBron James Eastern Conference playoff series in a while. I have Wizards. I'm a Wizards fan, but I have the Wizards on paper winning this game in seven games. Now, Boston, they played a good game yesterday, and they will probably have a few more of those type of games. But once John Wall and Bradley Bale get comfortable in the situation, this series will quickly lean over towards the Wizards side. So, yes. Wizards in seven. Good answer, Steven. <laughs> All right, so you know where I'm going. I'm going Wizards. Wizards in six. I feel as though the Wizards are going to win the next three games. They're going to win the next – they're going to win game two. They're going to win both of the games in D.C. Hopefully me and Kelsey, Steven, if you come out, we can all do a Facebook Live or Instagram Live from the game. Um, and I think Boston might get one more in Boston, but I think – I say Wizards in six. I just feel like John Wall is not going to be pleased with his first game. He didn't shoot very well. He took about 20 shots and only had about 20 points. Um, didn't have that many assists, so he didn't really play that great. Um, and then also to see his team blow a 16-point lead, I feel as though he's going to come out. He might put up 40 in Boston. I'm going to just be honest with you. I feel like they're going to they're going to somehow iron out the rebounding issues. I'm not sure why Marquise Morris and um, what's the Polish hammer? I forget his little, uh, the Polish hammer. I like that nickname better. But uh, Gortat. They, Gortat. Gortat. They should be they should be rebounding way better. I don't really understand why they're having so many rebounding issues, but I feel like it'll get turned around. Um, and I got I got Wizards in six, so that's my thoughts on that game. Anybody any, any final you, thoughts on the Wizards? Yeah, I mean if Marky Morris can stay healthy, I mean I know he went down, had a bit of an ankle issue uh, in yeah, game that one. That was pretty scary for for Wizards fans too. But uh, if he can stay healthy and they can control the boards, I think they definitely have the uh, the advantage down low. And then in the backcourt, it's all going to be about if John Wall and Bradley Beal can uh, keep putting up the uh, crazy offensive numbers they have been, I feel like. And it's, it's, just, it's crazy to me that the Wizards had so many rebounding problems when Boston isn't a big team. Like, they, they pretty much have a smaller lineup as well, so I don't understand why they weren't able to rebound the ball. But I think some things would change, and I feel like uh, they might go – Scott. I mean, um, Scott Brooks might go to a smaller lineup and just – w- I'd rather see them run and gun, honestly. I feel like they need to pick up the pace and just go. And let, let uh, take the reins off of John Wall, let him put up forty, and I feel like the Wizards will have no issues. <laughs> so Kelsey, sure, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the next game. We're gonna make sure we bring Steve and put him on Facebook Live, get him some uh, airtime. No, that's perfect. We can talk about how great the Wizards are. <laughs> yes, we will. All right. All right. So before we wrap up the playoffs, we wanted to uh, wish a farewell to uh, a former Boston Celtic legend, Paul Pierce. He didn't have that great of uh, that much of a stellar season with the Clippers. Of course, Clippers went out early. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, so you guys, what's your uh, Adam? I'll go to you first. What's your lasting moment of Paul Pierce, in whether it be in the Celtics uniform or just in the NBA in general? Every single time he hit a jumper from the elbow, that dude was automatic from that point. No matter when it was in the first quarter or with time ticking down in the fourth, he hit so many iconic shots from that spot. You knew he was going to go there, and people still couldn't stop him. Um, you know, obviously his, his trash talk game is well noted as well. Uh, me being a fan of guys talking smack on the floor, I, I, I got to love that too. But, you know, his, his, his iconic jumpers from the elbow, no matter, you know, whether it was in a Celtics uniform or um, even these last couple of years in the, for the Clippers, you know, he still hit some big shots for them down the stretch. Uh, but definitely, you know, that championship they won with the, with, with the big three. Uh, dude hit a bunch of shots, all with the class act, I feel like, you know, well-respected around the league. Um, gotta have love for Paul Pierce. Gonna miss seeing him out there. <laughs> All right, Steven, I'll go to you next. Like Adam said, he's just automatic. Every single game, even from the elbow, just the way he carried himself within each game. I know he might have bad games. Every game he played in his career, he made it worth it. And I'm just grateful to see. Well, I kind of watched towards the end of his career, but just watching the period, I'm just grateful to see just a great player like him. Paul Pierce, a go. First ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Kelsey? I mean, I think they said it best. I mean, what can Paul Pierce not do? I just love watching him just dominate every game. He's so aggressive. And like you guys said, he's pretty much automatic when he shot. I do want to give a quick message to him. He did so much when he was in the Wizards uniform, and I still don't think he stepped on the line two years ago when the Wizards were knocked out the playoffs and they should have advanced to the next round. But, I mean, Paul Pierce just had a legendary, legendary career. And I agree with Steven, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, for all that he's done in the NBA. One of the all-time greats he'll go down as. And, I mean, who knows? I want him to get a statue. I, I really enjoy Paul Pierce's career. Well, since you guys gave so many high praises, I guess I won't throw any shade at Paul Pierce. And uh, we'll just say <laughs> congratulations on a great career because I wasn't ready to slander him. I'm going to be honest with you. But, you know, I'm not going to be the bad guy. I think you still want to do it. I do, but I'm trying <laughs> you, to hold it back. You do. Because I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a diehard Knicks fan. I remember him hitting oh, a buzzer man. beater against us in the playoffs. From the elbow. So, when yep. you, you said that, my eyes turned red. Um, so, I'm sorry, I have buddy. a lot of I'm animosity. He, <laughs> he dissed us in the playoffs, said we're not a rivalry. They, they, they never beat us before. <laughs> like, he, he talked way too much for me. My favorite moment, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to let it out, is when Draymond Green said, you don't get no farewell tour. You ain't Kobe. They don't <laughs> oh, love you like yes. you Kobe. <laughs> that is my favorite Paul Pierce moment of all time. Let me be a hater. And, of course, it's a negative one. And, of course, it's a negative one. <laughs> How about when he called Sorry, game, though? One, Did you call bank? No, I called one. game. You got to love that moment, Yeah, he too. called yeah, – You got to love that. Calling game. He, he didn't game. call okay. nothing. He was just talking he to the press. Like he, he didn't call any. That was for TV, man. Don't fall into it. Don't fall into the fucking place. That was for TV. <laughs> and then he let my man Nate Robinson jump on his back and fall on his neck. Like, come on, man. He was so selfish. That was disrespectful. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. That was disrespectful. He knew he man. saw Nate trying to give him a hug. He want, he saw Nate trying to give him a hug. He just wanted the spotlight to himself. Nate almost ended his career game, trying to hug that man. If you called game, you'd want the spotlight for yourself, too. Don't even lie. Yeah, but I wouldn't suplex my dude and let him fall from his neck 10 feet in the air. But anyway, you know, I just a little shade. But That's true. much respect to Paul Pierce. I still think he was a great player. He definitely is a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, you know, for sure. he, he he did my Knicks dirty a couple of times. I, honestly, I liked him when he was on the Wizards. I wanted him to stay on the Wizards. I feel like that if he would have stayed, the Wizards might have stayed in the top contention against the Cavaliers yes. for a couple more years. Yes. It wouldn't have been that huge drop-off. So that was another reason why I kind of – Yeah, that was another reason why I kind of disliked him a little bit. I feel like he should have stayed with the Wizards because I was a Wizards uh, season ticket holder at the time. So I was excited. I was like, oh, the Wizards might do something this year. And then he bounced. Right. Real question. So, did he step on the line? Look at here. I'm an anti Paul Pierce, so <laughs> I'm a little conflicted because I was I was I was pro Wizards but anti Paul Pierce at the time, so I don't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> I'm conflicted, <laughs> so I mean, you know, salute to Paul Pierce. Though it was a shame to see him this season. He was definitely a shell of himself uh, defensively. They showed the last game against Utah, and almost every layup he was in the picture, reaching and missing for the like he was the the liability on defense. So. It was definitely time for him to go, but I wish he would have finished out in a better way or more dramatic way the way Kobe did. But, you know, it's okay. But like I said, you ain't Kobe. They don't love you like Kobe. You don't get no fell world tour. Oh, man. (laughs) Much love to Paul Pierce, though. All right, so um, you guys ready to switch it up? Let's go to boxing, man. We haven't talked boxing in a long time. So you guys ready to talk boxing? I know Kelsey was a little apprehensive. You ready? We're going to go into it, okay? Let's start. I'm going back to my boxing coverage. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And what might be the biggest all-time all-Mexican fight in the history of boxing? Uh, you got Canelo Alvarez, who's one of the most popular fighters right now, against a legacy fighter, Julio Cesar Chavez, on May 6th in Las Vegas. Um, Canelo, he's pretty small compared to Cesar Chavez. And so this fight is going to be it's going to be a big disadvantage for Ch- uh, for Alvarez. Chavez is the favorite cuz of his size advantage. So I'm going to go to you. Oh, actually, you know what? Let's go to the poll first. Um we had a poll up online and we asked the crowd who they think they were that was going to win the fight. Uh 64% said Canelo Alvarez will win with a KO. 27% said Canelo with a decision and only 9% said Cesar Chavez will get the KO. So I'm going to go to you first, Adam. Uh, what's your thoughts on that fight? Um, and before we move on, I want to make mention, Triple G said that he hopes to fight the winner of this fight. So this huge fight could set up mm-hmm. another huge fight later in the year. So that's boxing might be making a comeback. So, Adam, I'll go to you first. What's your thoughts on the fight? For sure, man. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say that, too. But I, I, So I'm, I'm not that big into boxing, but for these big fights, I'll definitely tune in. You know, I keep, you know, I, I keep into it enough. Um, you know, I you know, watched the Joshua Klitschko fight, you know, this weekend, which was amazing. It made me even more excited uh, for this next weekend's fight. 
Um, I mean, there's no way around it. Alvarez is one of the best, if not the best, pound-for-pound pound, uh, boxers today. Like you said, he's making the jump up. I'm excited to see him in the ring again. I got to give him the upper hand. Um, I think he's got a little bit more experience holding the title belt. I think he's got a little more experience in some of these big fights. Um, so I got to go with who I'm with who I'm familiar seeing uh, seeing with the belt. But uh, definitely, you know, with, no matter who wins this one, uh, that next fight with Triple G is going to be, if not, merging going to be just as big, if not bigger. So uh, definitely excited to see them go uh, this weekend. All right, Kelsey, I'm gonna go to you next. So with Chavez, he normally fights around 168. He actually had a lot of problems getting under 168. So with Canelo right. normally walking around at 54, him jumping all the way up 10 pounds, do you think that Chavez has the advantage he's more comfortable at that weight and, Ch- and uh, Alvarez had to put on an additional 10 pounds? Who do you think is going to have the advantage with that? See, I think Canelo has the advantage. Of course, Chavez, I know in the past he has had trouble um, with making weights for fights. And, of course, some people just say that, you know, he hasn't really taken stuff seriously. He has somewhat – of an unfavorable, unfavorable reputation. Um, you know, there's just not the best talk about Chavez right now. He also is older um, at 31. I think Canelo is going to take this one. He's younger. I think it's when he's gaining weight, I think that only helps him um, win this fight. And But I, re- I do want to say I think this is going to be huge for Canelo because I, I don't think he's proven yet that he's worth being this big pay-per-view attraction. Um, and I think Golden Boy uh, Promotions is putting so much on this young 26-year-old. And, of course, yes, he's great. He can do the pound-for-pound boxing. But if he does, if he makes this a close one with Chavez, I think we're all going to be left with a lot of questions. All right, Stephen, I'll go to you next. What's your thoughts on the fight? Are you excited about Chavez and Alvarez, or are you more so looking forward to the Triple G fight? Honestly, I'm looking forward to the Triple G fight, I'm going to give this fight to Alvarez just because I know Alvarez already walks um, Chavez, but Alvarez and Chavez, this could go seven, six rounds. I think Alvarez will finish this early, but I'm really looking forward to the Triple G fight. Oh, okay. All right. And I'm going to go back to you, Adam. You mentioned earlier the Anthony Joshua versus the Vladimir Klitschko fight. Uh, That was a pretty exciting fight. You know, Anthony Joshua knocked him out in the 11th round with a nice uppercut. After Klitschko actually dropped Joshua earlier in the fight, and uh, so they pretty much went back, to back and forth, back and forth. It was a pretty, pretty hard hit fight all, all the entire fight. Um, do you think the heavyweight heavyweight ranks are back, or is heavyweight boxing back, or was it a fluke? I don't know. I don't know if it was a fluke. I'm not sure it's gonna be. You know, I'm not sure it's gonna make you know the heavyweights back. I definitely think it has the opportunity to do that. I don't think it's there yet. Um, seeing Anthony Joshua, he's a younger dude uh, coming out. He's got a lot of star power. Granted, that fight was in London. He is a Brit. So the place there, it was an absolute crazy atmosphere, like 90-some thousand people at Wembley Stadium. Um, you could hear through the TV, you know, the atmosphere. It felt like you were there. It was one of those, you know, massive moments in sports, partly because he was fighting in front of his home crowd and also because it was a huge heavyweight fight. So I don't know if it's going to bring boxing back and heavyweight fights back, but I definitely think that if it's going to come back, Anthony Joshua is going to be the guy to do it. All right, so let's go ahead and move over to the fan portion of our show. We have a lot more fan polls. We call this crowd noise. Uh, we're going to go over a couple polls that we posted online, talk about the results a little bit, and then um, keep it moving. So one of the first questions we asked was about Adrian Peterson. Uh, he says he'll play or he signed with the New Orleans Saints for a two-year deal. I believe it was $7 million. Um, we asked the crowd, how much impact will he have in their run game? 43% said a big impact. 20% said little impact. 10% said no impact. And 27% said some impact. So a lot of the crowd believes that he'll have a pretty big impact in New Orleans. So, Adam, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I know New Orleans has a little bit of trouble with their offensive line. Do you feel as though he'll have an impact? I, I don't think so, man. I mean, obviously he's a big name and everything, and but coming off an injury, bad offensive line, he's older. He's got a lot of miles on those legs, a lot of miles on that body. Um, I'm just not sure that he's going to be able to make the kind of impact that people think he will. Um, he's playing with a pretty high-powered offense at times down there. You know, with Drew Brees, he's a smart guy. I think they'll use him in the right way, but I don't think it's going to make this big, huge, uh, lasting impact that um, a lot of fans from AP's old days are going to think that he can uh, produce. I just don't think he's at that same level anymore. All right, uh, Stephen, real quick, you think he's going to have a big impact? What's your thoughts? I think he will have a big impact. Drew Brees is already just a dangerous passer. Just adding a run game will just make everything better for the same. All right, Kelsey, uh, Stephen said he has a, a pretty good passing game. But New Orleans lost a lot of receivers. You think uh, ADPP will have a huge impact in their offense? 
I mean, I have family in New Orleans, so, of course, I know they're very excited for him. But I have to say, of course, as they say, age is nothing but a number, but it does catch up to you. He is older. Um, he's going to be playing behind Mark Ingram, who's 27 years old and under contract for two more years. So I think, yes, he adds depth, especially after the Saints, Tim Hightower, who became a free agent and signed with the 49ers. Um, so I think it'll help their run game somewhat. I think he is still a strong back. Um, but the Saints, I hate to say, they're going to pretty much finish in the same place as they did last year. So I'm agree with the people who said some impact on the poll. All right. Okay. Let's move on to the next poll. Um, of course, the Clippers just lost yesterday. So the the elephant in the room, Chris Paul, has an early termination option along with uh, Blake Griffin is a free agent. So we asked the crowd, with CP3's pending free agency option, which team do you think he should sign with? Uh, 5% said stay with the Clippers. 24% said sign with the Spurs. 19% said go back to New Orleans. And 52% said sign somewhere else. My thoughts were he should go to the Spurs or go to New Orleans and team up with Boogie and Anthony Davis. So, uh, Adam, I'll go to you first. What's your thoughts? What team should he go to? Man, I would love to see him stay there. I would love to see this Clippers team in full force and full strength. You know, yeah, they've gotten bounced early with, what, the last five years or so. They've also had a lot of injuries to deal with. I, I think they've been plagued by injuries almost every single time. I would love to see this Clippers team go unscathed with injuries to see what kind of impact they could have. I know a lot of people are calling for, you know, to burn it down, start fresh, but I'm just not sure I'm ready to see that. I would love to see the Clippers uh, really make this run at being the number one team in L.A. and uh, really see them go at it full source. So, I mean, I, I guess it would make sense for him to go somewhere like that where he could be a true point guard, but I'd love to see him stay in L.A. All right, Kelsey? I'm telling the Clippers to let let him free. I, as much as I, I do like what he did with the Clippers, um, I mean, Adam, you said it best. The injury bug always bites them, and eventually you get tired of that. I think Chris Paul has so much to offer, right? You pretty much said it. I, I'm just thinking about the madness that uh, CP3 would be with Boogie and AD down in New Orleans, and I would love to see where that goes. And, of course, we also know New Orleans is in the process of rebuilding, so why not rejoin uh, that rebuild and see, you know, where that can go? Steven? I feel like it's time for CP3 to go. He really deserves a better team. Although he was already injured each year, he always brought it to the table and always won the big games in the Clippers. Now, in terms of signing, I would love to see him sign the Spurs, excuse me, but I would love to see him go back to New Orleans and just finish what he started in New Orleans because he pretty much put them on the map a little bit and coming back home, that's a good storyline. Yeah, I could just imagine him with Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis. That's definitely an upgrade over DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin, in my opinion. Um, I think it's time to break it down. you got to think the Clippers have a bunch of free agents. I believe Jamal Crawford's a free agent also, along with J.J. Reddick. I don't think they're going to be able to bring back all four of those guys and still be able to keep the depth on their bench as well because their team is pretty, I don't know, it's pretty, pretty it's, it's hit a wall, I believe. Like, at, at some point you got to feel like, you know what, we're not getting through this wall. It's time to break it down. That Even if they all do come back, I don't think that's a team that could beat the Warriors. So I say break it down. All right, um, and last fan poll question of the night. Uh, this one is a pretty heated argument. I wish James was here so he could talk about this. I know he had a lot to say about this one. Um, so, basically, we asked, you know, LeVar Ball, Alonzo Ball's dad. LeVar Ball was informed that Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas are not interested in a deal with his son, Lonzo. And we asked why. Uh, 8% said they feel threatened. 71% said they don't like LeVar. 11% said Lonzo's brand has shrunk. And 10% said other. So the 71%, I think that was led by James and all of his followers. They don't like LeVar. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go to you first, Adam, on that one. Uh, what's your thoughts? Why didn't? Why did they reject his offer? He basically wanted them to sign his son and also get a licensing deal with it as well. So what's your thoughts? I'm not sure if it was as much an offer as it was a demand. I mean, I, it, it, it <laughs> seemed like he went in there and said, hey, this is what it's going to be. I mean, I, 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 don't think I, could, I don't think I could imagine seeing LeVar Ball walking into a meeting and uh, playing nicely with the execs. I think he has to be the top dog. He has to be the alpha male no matter where he is, which is why I think this isn't going to work out too well for him. I mean, they might end up on and one or Converse or Reebok or some sort of brand. I mean, it's it's just not going to happen with these big brands. I think he's too abrasive. I think he needs to learn when to check himself. You know, he doesn't know everything, and I think that's going to be tough for him. It's going to be a tough pill for him to swallow, uh, admitting that someone else might know more than him, and he might not be able to control every single thing like he seems to want to. So I definitely think he's just too abrasive, and they just don't want to work with him. Would you want to work with him? I personally, yeah. I personally think it's okay. It's I think everything will be fine. For one, I feel as though they don't have to go with a major. I, I got into some flag with a couple of guys on Facebook about this, but think back. Dwayne Wade has a team um, has a sneaker deal out of China. 
Stephon Marbury has a sneaker deal out of China. If the big baller brand could find a distributor or even a licensor to to make their sneakers and actually put them out, they don't need the big brand. They don't, they might not be one of the elite sneaker companies, but in a couple of years they could build up. You got to think back ten years ago, Under Armour didn't even have a sneaker. They didn't have a sneaker brand. They didn't have. They just had athletic clothing. Now they have the one of the best players, two time MVP, as their lead athlete. So if the big baller brand can build up, let's say Lonzo wins the um, rookie of the year or even has a good season, you know how many fans he'll grab just from that alone. A lot of kids will be like, oh mom, I want the Lonzo ball sneakers. It doesn't have to be under a big brand. It could be under a small brand, but he can build it up on his back. And then he also has two more sons in the pipeline. So if Lonzo plays well and then uh, LaMelo comes in and he plays well, that's two athletes right there. And I'm pretty sure they can start pulling in more athletes that's already in the NBA. And they can actually start building a foundation and build a brand without the big companies. It, so let's say let's say the big baller brand doesn't work out or none of these none of these big teams, I mean, none of these big companies want to sign right now. You think that if Lonzo wins rookie of the year, they won't come knocking later on? I don't think that's going to be a forever thing. Oh, we're not fooling with them. I think eventually, if if Lonzo plays well, they'll come knocking eventually, and then he'll be able to really cash in. So I'm not opposed to what he's doing because they're going to come regardless. He's going to get a deal one way or the other, whether it be independently, which I think is better, because you get more money. It's no middleman. I don't see Nike coming and knocking on their door after all the after all the trash talk you're talking about, Jordan. I mean, maybe Adidas or Under Armour will bite at it, but I mean, I, I just don't see Nike wanting to deal with a guy like that when they already have a bunch of other athletes they can hang their hat on. Uh, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you said about, you know, they don't, need, they don't need any of those three. I'm sure they could do it on their own and get some money back for it. But I'm just saying from Nike, Adidas, Under Armour's perspective, if I'm them, I don't want to work with this guy. He's going to come in and try and tell us how to do our job. No way. Yeah, I totally understand that. But and also, think about how many athletes Nike has. They have, like, probably 40 NBA players, like, are the top players. Do you want to be a small fish in a big sea, or you want to be the big fish in a small sea? You can you can have your That's own true. brand and get way more money back, bigger piece of the pie, That's going independent route. But I said if it hits, you know, if he's if he's legit enough and if well, they yeah, can pull he, it off. I mean, he's banking on his two other kids. I feel like too, like he needs he needs them to also be at the same level as Lonzo. And I'm just not sure I can I say three kids are going to be able to come through the pipeline and be as good as Lonzo was because Lonzo tore it up, and I think he's going to be a great. NBA player as well, but I just don't see the other two kids, you know, Leandro and LaMelo coming through and having that same kind of impact. I mean, and if it does good for them, that's an amazing family. It's an amazing strategy. It'd be good for basketball to keep having this family come through. I think it'd be an interesting storyline for all of us to cover and our jobs down the line here. But, man, I just don't see it happening with all with, with all, th- all three of them having that sort of impact. But I also look at it as it's a low-risk, high-reward because let's say they don't make it. He got three opportunities at it. You said – Maybe one, maybe all three of them don't make it, but if one of them does, their brand is going to skyrocket. Right. What's I mean, thought, Ray, I Kelsey? think you said it best. I said, I think you said it best. If I was listening to your point, uh, it's been done before and it can work again. I think Levar doesn't get enough props. I mean, yes, I think he can be too much sometimes, but I'm happily, I'm happy finally someone is taking on the shoe companies and really knowing the brand of his sons. Because I think even if. His sons aren't the greatest. I think already LeVar himself also is a big marketing uh, person, even though I think the stuff is overpriced that I saw. But I think there's such a great opportunity. Of course, shoes are always tied to performance, and I think Lonzo will be pretty decent. And I think he actually can be great depending on how hard he works and who he gets signed with. But I think LeVar is on to something, and China is a great market to do it in. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And he already gets free publicity, free commercials from ESPN. Right. He's on People every other show. People keep getting him on. <laughs> People keep getting him on. He's smart. Like, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's a market himself beside his son. So Steven, what's I your thoughts on that? Smart. He's an annoying – I think he's an annoying smart. Like, he does get on my nerves, but I get it. I see the bigger picture on it. That's what I always tell everybody, like, Right now, it seems annoying, but if it works, he's going to look like a genius. Right. And if it doesn't work, he'll just fade He'll just fade away. Nobody will ever think about him. So I think it's a low-risk, high-reward on it. Steven? I feel like LeVar's approach is very disrespectful to the business and highly irritating to fans like me. But if you do what he just sit down and think about his terrible approach, he does have a point. He wants his sons and whoever will produce their stuff to be different. He doesn't want to be a big company. But me being a fan, I do ball like sports uniforms and like shoes. I want Lamar Ball to get a huge contract, not from Nike, maybe from Under Armour or Adidas is a little more money right there. But I want him to get a good contract. And the fact that his father's pretty much overshadowing that and that payday, because NBA careers, you don't know how long it's gonna last. I'd rather get the money now, and his father's holding him back from getting his paycheck. That's how I truly feel about the situation. 
So that was our last poll question. Uh, before we get out of here, we do have some breaking news. Um, we got some news from the WNBA. The WNBA will have a Twitter will live stream 20 WNBA games during the 2017, 2018, and 2019 season. So that's a big deal for the WNBA. They'll get a little bit more exposure via Twitter. Uh, so congratulations to them. And also, uh, before we get out of here, we definitely want to say thank you to Adam for joining us on the show. Uh, I think you did an excellent job today. I know Kelsey tried to sway you certain ways with some of her responses, but it's all good. You 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 stayed she tried. strong. She tried. You stuck, you stuck to your own guns, and uh, you did a pretty good job. And you're more than welcome to come back at any time. When, hey, whenever you invite me, I'd appreciate it. What do you got to say, Kelsey? No, thank you so much for coming on. You were a lot of fun. I love that we think alike in a lot of areas. So as as Ray said, you're always good to come on. <laughs> yeah, Ray, uh, Kelsey. Steven, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Had a had a blast. Like I said, anytime you guys want me to come on, I'm happy to jump on. This was fun. Let's do it again. And Ray, our and first guest from Ohio. Rookie, uh, oh, what's up? I said, and our first guest from Ohio. We finally broke free of the DMV in New York narrative. But he's from Cleveland, where I mean, he's from Akron, where LeBron is from. So, boo. Oh, so you know, we anti LeBron <laughs> over here. <laughs> Midwest, stand up. Midwest, stand up. Blonde with Ohio. I'm, I'm one of the- I'm one of those closet anti-LeBrons. Like, when people are bashing LeBron, <laughs> I, I defend him. But when it's me bashing LeBron, it's okay. Like, it's weird. I don't know. When they compare him to Kobe, <laughs> I defend him. But I can bash him all I want. I don't. It's kind of weird. I don't understand how, how I got that way, but whatever. I think it's because he spurned the Knicks back a couple years ago, and he never, I thought he really was coming to the Knicks, and he didn't. So, ever since then, I don't really fool with him. But <laughs> Also, I want to make sure before we get out of here, Salute to Steven, the rookie. Rookie came through and dropped like 40 buckets tonight. He did a good job. He did. University. Rookie came through with a triple-double. He had he had about seven turnovers, but it's all good. <laughs> and on short notice. Proud of you, Steven. No, I'm, just, very good. I'm just joking with you, man. But this was definitely a great episode. Um, anybody got any parting words before we get out of here? Kelsey, I want to anything? shout out to Morgan Nothing. State University for uh, Steven because he did great and still in school, but obviously, as we can see, a very bright career in sports journalism. So thank you, yeah, Steven. Yeah, we just got to get him to find a new football team, and he'll be good to go. No. <laughs> I'm good with the Redskins. We're flat for a couple of years. That sounds like an oxymoron. I'm good with the Redskins. That don't even sound like proper English. <laughs> like, say that out loud one more time, and you can see how bad it sounds. <laughs> no. No, I'm fine. All right, no more slander. I had to do slander <laughs> because James wasn't here, so I had to make sure we hit our slander quota for the day. James wasn't here. I had to make sure we hit our slander quota for the day. So we're good. We hit, we hit the slander meters at the top, so we're good to go. So let's get out of here. Uh, make sure you guys check us out on social media, at Threes of Crowd Sports. Uh, my personal is uh, the other Ray J. We got the real K and Elson. Uh, the hippie, the other, oh, I forgot James's thing. Hippington, excuse me. You messed me. up mine, too, uh, Steven, right? You got to do better. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? This is why I don't do the shout-outs. This is why you the shout-out lady. Do I got shout-out. you covered. Kelsey's is at the Real K Nelson, and James is at Hippington. And then uh, Stephen and Adam, make sure you guys give your social media info. Mine, Stephen, is S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Stephen, S-Z-N-C, which is the abbreviation for Stephen, in all caps, and an underscore on Twitter. Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, at Adam Woodard, A-D-A-W-O-O-D-A-R-D. Slide into the Instagram DMs. Tell me how you like the show, at Adam period Woodard. Uh, hit me up. Hopefully I got some new fans after the show here today. He says slide in the DMs. All right. The DMs. Slide on, slide on in. Are open. Slide on in. Let me know how I did. Tell me what I need to improve on. I'm in it to win it. All right. So make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google at Plus, what crowd else? Sports. Everything at Three's right. Crowd Sports. We're on Facebook. We do Facebook live videos live from events, like Grace at Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus. We are everywhere. All right, peace. Bye. R.I.P. to the competition. Step, step, step